We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody, Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. My name is Lance Sanderson. I'm your host, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, technical difficulties aside, trying to come into this. Sorry for coming a little bit late, guys. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good. Um, just curious what we're going to talk about. It's not like anything's happened over the last week when we're on the Broncos, so... Just absolutely nothing, nothing at all to discuss. No, it, it's been pretty boring. Um, training camp starts next week. Uh, like, the, we don't have any any news about Sean Payton, George Payton. Any, seriously, this week has been crazy, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, the uh, Jarrett Bell piece, the first one, where uh, he had Sean Payton talking about the suspension to Enioma Owazarike, who was suspended for, uh, for one full year for gambling on NFL games last season. Uh, that was a bombshell report, kind of some very noteworthy takeaways from that. But obviously the one that came out yesterday where he just torched the entire organization from top to bottom. Eric, uh, you and I kind of talked privately about it a little bit, but I want your big time thoughts, man. What did you think about Sean Payton going to Jarrett Bell and really kind of just letting loose there for what seemingly was about an hour long conversation with a guy from the uh, national media? Well, I mean, like what he said isn't wrong. Like the only thing that he did was wrong, but I get it was his completely absolving Russell Wilson for any blame of last year, but I get it. Russell Wilson clearly has confidence issues, so it's good for him to defend his quarterback to try to help bring that confidence. Mm -hmm. I just wish he didn't walk back his comments today. Yeah, I I actually agree with you on that 100%. Um, It's it. If you're going to go out there and do something like that, and you're going to and you're going to torch somebody from the top down, specifically Nathaniel Hackett, and then I mean we can get into the the whole the president of the organization, the general manager, the head coach, the training room, like everybody that he just threw under the bus for what happened last season. If you're going to do that, 
not to say that he like rescinded some of those comments because he really didn't. He acknowledged that it was probably a mistake to do that and he regrets doing that, but he didn't apologize or take anything that he said away. He's like, eventually I'll go talking to Robert Sala and maybe to Nathaniel Hackett, you know, kind of between us and just make it right. You know, as, as coaches should go, you should probably defend coaches and not really throw people under the bus like that. But if you're going to do it, do it all of the way and stay in with it and don't apologize for speaking the truth and speaking your mind. It's, it's not a bad thing for, for you to go out and do that. It's not like you said anything super inflammatory that offends a whole bunch of people. You said the truth and people didn't like it. Wham, get over it guys. Like to me, take going back and trying to walk it back was worse than what he actually did. And I, I, I applaud Sean, Sean Payton for what he said, because like you said, it's the truth. And sometimes the truth just hurts. Yeah. And then like, it just, I'm not one for, you know, creating drama for storylines. And that's kind of what his comments did. I mean, his comments about the Jets, like, I think those were over the line. Saying that, basically saying that we're going to see the same thing from the Jets this year because of hard knocks. When hard knocks was thrust upon them by the NFL, they didn't want hard knocks. They just they couldn't turn it down. So, like, that, that was a little bit out there. And now there's pressure on him. The Broncos better beat the Jets or else he just made himself a laughing stock for a while because of his comments about what he said. Um, and then of course, Jay Roper comes in and asks about it, discussing the, the whole video uh, from the QB collective tweet back out of Sean Payton um, hitting a bong. Like that video was released a long time ago. I mean, it's like years old. It's like four or five years old. Um, it's actually him doing it. He's already answered questions about it. The quarterback collective, which includes a bunch of like young quarterback gurus, like so to speak, throughout the NFL as part of the quarterback collective. One of them's Hackett. Um, so of course they're gonna sit there and come to his defense by releasing that video to try to, you know, kind of um what's the right word here? Um diminish the comments Sean Payton made. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter, no big deal. Done and taken care of, like just it, it was just more fuel on the fire that, you know and started with the comments that he made yeah and, and like you said it, it's really hard you know especially when you go after the uh, nathaniel hackett just in general but then the jets as well talking about hard knocks and everything like that like that's completely unnecessary you didn't need to do that and maybe you do need to apologize to robert sala for that particular thing i don't think he needs to apologize to nathaniel hackett at all calling it the worst coaching job that we've ever seen in nfl history probably accurate it was a disaster the guy got fired after 15 games broncos were completely incompetent they practically led the NFL in pre-snap penalties. It was a disaster. And again, speaking the truth, just sometimes hurts. We got Troy jumping in here, though. Let's change gears really fast here. Troy jumping in, $9, uh, or excuse me, $10 Super Chat. Hey, guys, uh, hope Shelby Harris joins soon. Do you think that with Shelby Harris, uh, Lancaster, Mike Purcell, and uh, Matt Henningsen will be enough with uh, Zach Allen and DJ Jones if we can avoid injuries? It could be a fun season for a change. Now, Eric, We've gone back and forth a couple of different times on this. I didn't necessarily think that it was a possibility for Shelby Harris to come back to Denver after what happened with the uh, the Russell Wilson trade. Him finding out, I believe it was on ESPN, that he was a part of the trade. They never even actually the got an opportunity. It, yeah, like he was already at the building and he heard it was either on ESPN or on Twitter or something like that, that he was a, a part of the Russell Wilson trade just a year ago. So to me... I didn't think it was possible, but new information always coming out here. He did visit the Denver Broncos today. They kind of worked him out a little bit. What do you know, man? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I mean, like, it makes sense. His family, even when he went to see went to Seattle last year, his family stayed in Denver. That's where his family is. A um, couple weeks ago, or about a week ago or so, everybody believed that he was on the cusp of re-signing with Seattle. Maybe that's still in play. Denver just wanted to take a look, especially with the um, suspension coming for Uwazarike. You know, they got to get somebody else in there. Even before the suspension of Uwazarike, they still needed another veteran in that room, in my opinion. Yes. Now, even more so, because now you're losing the potential of Uwazarike. Makes mm-hmm. sense to bring in Shelby Harris. There's familiarity, familiarity there with, with Vance Joseph. There's familiarity there with some of the other people on the team. It makes sense to take a look at him and try to see if you, what you can do to bring him back. Obviously, it's just a workout. Maybe it leads to a signing. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the fact that, even though his family's in Denver, maybe the fact that he was at team facilities and found out on watching ESPN, maybe that is just some bad blood that he can't just overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, only time will tell. We'll see. But I do expect the Broncos at some point to add a defensive lineman. As for the question about, you know, Harris, Lancaster, Purcell, Henningsen, with Allen Jones being enough, maybe. Um, Lancaster doesn't inspire me with a lot of confidence. Henningsen depends on how he grows. Um, Purcell, though, would be an upgrade over, you know, Uwazarike and Henningsen mm-hmm. and um, Purcell, like the three of them trying to be the main depth guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, possibly, but time will tell. Yeah. And, you know, I, Eric, you've you've come at me in multiple different times for me saying this, and this is officially going to end my, I don't really want to call it like pounding the table for, but my stance on, you know, moving on from Mike Purcell. Now you need to keep a player like that. When you when you don't have a, a high upside guy, and not that Owazurike is like fit for the nose tackle, that's not really what he does the best, but you could at least try to put him in that situation. With, with him gone now, it, like, you need to have that that interior defensive lineman, the run stuffer along the interior of the defensive line, a strong nose tackle. You really need to keep him around. Uh, the cap hit's not really all that that bad. I believe it's right at three point seven five million or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I mean it's 
it's cheap enough to keep him around the veteran veteran leadership that he brings to the team. You need to have another experienced player along that defensive line. And, and quite honestly, I think they need to bring in two guys, whether it's Shelby Harris, Matt Ioannidis, both of them, uh, Michael Brockers uh, is a definitely, definitely another name out there. You could bring in uh, potentially on a cheap deal as a veteran. Um, you've got to, you really have, to bolster this defensive line group because we were already questioning the depth coming into camp and now you're missing a guy that has high upside potential and quite honestly i want to go on a little soapbox here really quickly just because i i disagree with the the way that the nfl is going about these suspensions i really do um with with the wazirike he was suspended for one year meaning that the the soonest that he can even apply for reinstatement to the league and have contact with team officials, teammates, anybody else in the NFL is July 24th, 2024. He's going to miss all of this season, all of the next off season is off season as well. And the Broncos still have roster adjustment that they have to make now and into the future. This to me is a bunch of garbage. Like I understand you want to like crack down on the integrity of the game and make sure that team that, that, that is very, clear and uh, a focused vision on these games are not fixed. We're not trying to uh, ruin the integrity of the game. No one's throwing points or doing whatever they're going to do, but to make it a full year where you can't come back for a full year. To me, it's garbage, man. Suspend him for the season, get him out all the way through the Super Bowl. allow him to come back and work his way back into the, into things after the season is over, work your way through the off season program. And maybe we can see a Wazariki again, but as, as it stands right now, who knows what his future in the NFL looks like. Like plain and simple. No, 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 like, no. Like not gonna though. cut him. No, no, he's gonna get a shot next year with the Broncos. Like, kid's twenty five. He made a mistake gambling. Like, it's not gonna be the end of his career. Like, come on now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like, not saying that it's going to be the end of his career. No, I'm you're saying playing that it, puts, it. it. Well, it puts his career in jeopardy. It absolutely does. You're missing no, an doesn't. entire year. Like, especially when you sit there and you look at the fact that the NFL rules last year when it came to gambling were so unclear and messed up, they had to change them. They had to go back and fix them just a month ago. He's not his career's not in jeopardy. He's not going to be done in the NFL. He's going to get a chance with the Broncos next year. Maybe that is his final shot. But come on now, saying that his career is basically done and trying to imply that his career is done over this for a 25-year-old guy. Come on now. But well, I'm not saying that it's that it, let's put it this way. It, it puts a it puts a big damper on his potential moving forward. Let's just put it that way because the Broncos no, have because if I, he gets out there and he shows and he shows greatness, no one will care. Not a single NFL team will care if he goes out there and plays great. Yeah, no one will care. You're you're not wrong, and the NFL is one of those. You know, if you have the talent, they're going to overlook a lot of different things. But we're talking about a dude that was struggling to gain footing as a rookie. He's going to miss this entire because next he season was drafted as a for year player. two and year three. Yeah, and he's going to miss year two and year three, or yeah, at least no, year he's two. Miss year two, at least year two, and he was drafted to have that developmental time over his second year, and then now he's going to be going into year three, missing a whole bunch of NFL coaching and strength and conditioning. He's got to work behind the scenes to be able to get it done. I'm not trying to doubt the guy and say that it's not possible for him to come back. So please don't twist my words. What I'm saying is it does put that into jeopardy. Absolutely does. Absolutely. No, it doesn't. It did the same thing for Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was a, was a first round pick, a guy that was meant to be a successful player and showed success in the NFL level. It was Enrique played what a hundred snaps last season. Like, and he still has a long ways to go with this. This is, I'm sorry. You disagree with my opinion, yes. but I do think it puts no, no, in, no, in, no. In, what I am saying is if he, if he gets out of the NFL, it won't be because of the suspension. The suspension isn't what got, isn't what's going to end his career. No, it's not going to be what's pushing him out. And that is what you were implying. 
And for Calvin Ridley, like, wasn't he just traded for a first round pick to the Jets or something or to the Jaguars? It was, and he's showing it with the Jaguars. It was a conditional second and conditional third. And like I said, he's been playing for years before that and showed three seasons of high elite level of of wide receiver play for the Atlanta Falcons before that all came down. Like you're going to get an opportunity. This dude's played a hundred snaps. And it was Enrique who only has his rookie year when he was drafted for year two. Like, or year three, like if he doesn't make it, it's going to be because the game is too fast for him. He doesn't develop or whatever, but to imply that he is not going to make it, which is 100% what you did. You implied he's not going to make You implied that he won't succeed. You implied that his career's in jeopardy because he got suspended for gambling, which was a stupid mistake. But, like, let's not absolve the NFL of their blame for this, where they, again, had to go and correct it. Their wording for their gambling policy last year led to so many issues, which is why so many players are getting suspended. Uwazirike was a fourth-round pick. He was a fourth-round pick for a reason. Mm-hmm. But he was drafted for year two or year three. Yes, he's losing year two, but he'll still get that year three potential. Yes, he's not going to be around the team. He's going to have to work on his, himself and everything. And that's going to be a true test of how much he wants it. But David McElrath yeah, comes with a $10 dollar really what I was trying to get out there. Saying, good evening, Broncos country. Lance, Eric, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. No, Hashtag zero, hashtag 12 and five, hashtag Buckham times three, hashtag MHH for life, and hashtag Denver Broncos for life. So anyways, um, <laughs> and Michael Ronco came in with some stars saying, good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley drivers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Um, like? Training camp today is, is the first day of training camp. Um, there were some positive moments to say, but you know, I'm always one that's like, I'd rather see it in the field, what you do in practice, like especially unpadded practices the first day, like it's it's whatever to me. It's always more about what you do at show in preseason games. But there were some positive moments. Zach Allen got what would have been a sack on Russell Wilson. There were a couple pass breakups. Caden Sturds hadn't had that interception. Um Jarrett Stidham had a nice pass. Like there is a lot of positive for it um for the Broncos team. Um as they are looking at turning things around. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I like the biggest takeaway I had, we obviously talked about it multiple different times here is Javante Williams specifically coming, coming into training camp, not on the PUP list and not only just doing positional drills, he was out there a little bit in seven on sevens. Uh, He was taking care. Well, I I say taking carries. He took a carry in 11 on 11, got a big roar of applause from the, uh, from the, the fans in attendance. So that's a good sign to me. And Eric, you and I both have talked about it several different times with Javante Williams. And if he, like I said, multiple times before, if Javante Williams is ready to go for week one, which at, at this pace, it does look like he's probably going to be ready for week one. He was clear for contact the other day. So he's going to be able to compete when, when they put the pads on and everything like that. If Javante Williams comes out and starts week one. I'm changing my Twitter handle to Javante Williams fan underscore one. So that was a big thing for me. And another one that I, that caught my attention was Tim Patrick as well, dude, going out there back-to-back catches in seven on sevens to start the seven on seven period. He looked really well, caught a, um, caught a deep touchdown pass from Russell Wilson and one-on-ones. So I, the injured guys coming off and the fact that they're out there on a, on a snap count, they are definitely on a pitch count for, uh, according to Sean Payton, but uh, the injured guys coming in, that was, that was some big news to me. And I was a, a refreshing breath of fresh air, quite honestly. 
Yeah, Gary Palmer came in with the four dollar nine. Said, "Hey, Lance and Eric, go Broncos, Buckham." Thank you, Gary. We appreciate the support. How a freaking day! Saying, "Evening, gentlemen." Was I the only oh, one yeah. who held my breath when Russell finished his presser? Thank the lords we didn't hear. You know what? Yeah, I mean, like it, it was nice to see. You know, he's finishing his presser, and it was funny because I opened up Twitter. They're right at the end, and everybody and like a lot of the Broncos media were like. He finished it with Go Broncos. He finished it with Go Broncos. Like every one of them thought that was noteworthy to clarify that he didn't say, you know what? So I, I found that pretty funny. And that's probably like, I don't know. That was good for a laugh for me today. Yeah. I I'm a, I know this is kind of the, the new thing right now, but the hashtag Buckham thing is kind of getting old to me too. Can we not have a, 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 a catchphrase for everything? Can we just say Go Broncos and, <laughs> and be and be done with it? I, I know I'm, I, I'm not calling anybody out or anything like that. I'm just like the, the whole, after the whole let's ride thing, it's, it's, it's just tired. And as Scott pulls up here, he's got Mike Kliss uh, on his Twitter account saying, uh, Russell Wilson passed on running the crowd with high fives as he did all last year at camp, didn't stay out and was uh, signing autographs or anything like that. And as Scott has highlighted on the screen for everybody listening after the fact and not watching here live, uh, he says, reading the room, this is lower key Russell Wilson. And I agree with that. And I think that we, we talked about it a couple of different times, Eric, but with the the way that this offseason has gone, you know, Sean Payton, aside from the the Jarrett Bell article on USA Today, it has been radio silence pretty much from Denver in terms of all the players, the coaches, their social media platform at, at Denver Broncos, other than the, the the helmet stuff that they just released a couple of days ago. It's been pretty much radio silence for the most part. Russell Wilson is not putting out a, nearly as many of the workout videos, hasn't been out and about, you know, going to Monaco for the Grand Prix. To see him see this change shows me exactly what I was talking about. He's humbled. He was embarrassed by last season. He wants to get better moving forward. And this is Sean Payton's show, and he's making it so. Well, and Sean Payton just yesterday, just, you know, in that article, called mm -hmm. out the fanfare that was last year throughout the offseason. Yep. Trotting out Russell Wilson so much. Like, obviously, it made sense at the time. Like, hey, we finally got a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, hindsight here. But at the time, they wanted to show off the shiny new toy. They wanted to show off the shiny toy. It made sense. And now Sean Payton's in town, and I would bet that 90% of this is Sean Payton saying, no, 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 mm -hmm. keep low, like, keep your head down, instead of, like, and not Russell Wilson being, oh, man, I don't mm -hmm. want to be out there. Like, yeah. I'd put this more on Sean Payton getting control over Russell Wilson. Anthony Edwards comes yep. in with the $9.99 donation saying, good evening, Eric and Lance. I think Ioannidis or Akeem Hicks would be better than Shelby. Thoughts? Um, it depends on what you're looking for. I think Akeem Hicks is essentially mm -hmm. done. Um, and Akeem Hicks is kind of redundant with what you have already. Yeah. Ioannidis, I think, is kind of on par with Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris, you know, he's a little bit more of a pass rusher. Ioannidis is more of a run defender. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, I think Ioannidis or Shelby Harris would be fine. Yeah. Uh, Akeem Hicks to me is more that one to three technique when you need to have a three to five technique. And that's where Ioannidis fits in better than what Akeem Hicks does. And that's what Shelby Harris was great at as well, was playing that that three and four eye technique in between guard and tackle. So to me, uh, I would go Ioannidis or, or Hicks. With Shelby, um, obviously the, the pass rush potential is there, but go back and watch Shelby Harris. Even when he was with the Denver Broncos, uh, a lot of the stuff that he was doing was a lot of cleanup work for guys like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. He was getting a, a bunch of cleanup sacks. It's not like he's a, a great 
pocket pusher interior defensive lineman. He's a guy that can still get after it, and he he's effective. He's definitely productive, especially in the running game. But he's not a, a guy, especially now uh, that he's getting older, I, I don't think that he's a guy that you really want to depend on as that true – like he's not Aaron Donald. He's not DeForest Buckner. He's not a guy like that. He's a quality player you want to have in your rotation, and I think that he would be, it would be a good signing for the Broncos if they can convince him to come back. But to me, I want a little bit more stoutness on the the uh, run defense, specifically because of all the questions on the edge right now. You know, you've got Randy Gregory, you've got Frank Clark, who's a decent run defender. Uh, Baron Browning still has to show he's able to do it. Nick Benito, as we have all questioned him for multiple years, Jonathan Cooper's is kind of an okay guy. You know, he can handle his, his own out there, but you need to have some better stoutness along the interior of this defensive line, especially against the run. So to me, Ioannidis would make more sense than Shelby Harris. Bring them both though. If you're going to do, if you're going to get one, you might as well try to get both of them because you, like I said earlier, you need to have depth on this unit. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, um, Shelby Harris, I mean, he's had so many issues against the run, and they constantly mm -hmm. stand out. Um, and no, he's not Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner or any of the guys like that, but he never was. He's exactly. a guy who was decent at getting pressure. A lot of his sacks were ended up being cleanup sacks. But he could still get pressure on the opposing quarterback. I mean, he averaged for the four for the last four years about thirty pressures a season, which is good for what his role would be, um, especially in this defense. Um, so it's it, it'd be fine. Like Ionitis would be Ionitis wouldn't be bad, as you said. Better run defense, especially with all the questions that you have behind him. For it. he's a guy that can eat up space and help the linebackers and edges flow to it. Either one. If not both, that'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's get back to training camp here because we got our good buddy Michael Ronquillo jumping in here, and he was talking about a guy that we've heard a bunch of different different comments about. Running back Jaleel McLaughlin is one undrafted free agent player that I'm looking at during Broncos training camp. So Michael is tapping on to something that we heard from a guy, um, Zach Seegers at Mile High Sports, uh, Cecil Lammy over at 104.3 The Fan. Both of those guys were touting Jaleel McLaughlin out there, running around, showing off that speed, showing some flash and whatnot. Uh, obviously, a lot of that work was against airs and against uh, guys, you know, undrafted free agents, guys probably not going to make this roster. But this dude brings a different gear to the running back position that they don't really have outside of Tyler Beatty. So this is really that last kind of – training camp battle. Eric, this is something you talked about just a little bit ago. What did you think about Jaleel McLaughlin and the stuff you were able to see today? I mean, with what I heard about, he seemed to have a pretty solid day, you know, eating up on the guys that are practice squad candidates or not going to make it. 
But one thing that was pretty clear also from multiple people is that Tyler Beatty was the number three guy. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was P. Ryan Williams and Beatty, even over Jones. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's always been for me of who's going to be that kind of home run hitter, Beatty or McLaughlin. I mean, it's the first day of camp, so a lot can change. But early sign is like the very, very early sign, the earliest it can be. Tyler Beatty's it's Tyler Beatty's job to lose. Yeah, it's I guess it's more interesting, like you said, you know, with Tony Jones, Tyler Beatty, Jaleel McLaughlin, that, to see who's out there getting those third team snaps, the, the guy that's like showing the most flashes. And with McLaughlin being shouted out multiple different times from multiple different people, it wasn't just, you know, Michael here. It wasn't just Cecil Lamy. It wasn't Zach Seegers. Like there was a couple of different people as well. Ryan Edwards, I think, had a tweet as well about him so to to see him getting some love out there and it it's hard but again it comes back to the the clear one and two right now and the biggest news of training camp at least to my opinion right now is Javante Williams at number two right now out there working as much as he possibly can he did have a very big large bulky knee brace on and looked a little bit uncomfortable moving around out there and some of the change of direction stuff that they were doing but for the most part the fact that he's out there and actually able to do that stuff is a very good sign moving forward so that was something that um with with McLaughlin coming in here got to bring in the bring into the full picture of everything here if McLaughlin does make this roster as the third or even the fourth running back on on the roster good for him um undrafted player out of Youngstown State so very curious to see how he looks moving forward you know uh we saw another young rookie from a smaller school last year in Montreal Washington take over the team by storm especially in training camp you know making big plays and everything and look at how that disaster happened last season as a punt returner we barely even saw any time on the offense so take everything you see right now especially with these lower level roster guys with a grain of salt at least moving forward for a little while um another big development i guess i got well I real quick him. also go ahead go ahead go ahead since you mentioned him Montreal Washington had a pretty good day today from it's what mm-hmm. it seems to. Yep. Right. Again, and this is like this also combines with McLaughlin. And I said it last year with the whole thing with Washington. Unpadded camp practices are so like tilted towards speedy guys. Mm-hmm. Like it is yep. so tilted towards them. So of course on those days they're gonna look good. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, Scott and I, um, while you were kind of dealing with your computer and the, the technical issues you were having earlier, Scott and I went, I mentioned the uh, the videos that Jane Slater and a bunch of Dallas Cowboys fans were tweeting out on, on Twitter earlier of Deuce Vaughn, you know, undrafted rookie free agent out of Kansas State running back five foot five, 170 pounds undrafted. after that. Or, oh, that's right. They did draft him very late. Excuse me. Um, thank you for the correction there. Regardless, um, smaller guy out there. Uh, he looks like a child. Literally, he looks like a small toddler or a high school player out there running around. But there's multiple times where he's out in open space or uh, even when it's congested, they're they're just touching him up and letting him go, making him look a lot better than what he was. And you see that size out there and it's it's not it doesn't look good for for him moving forward. I mean, he, sure, he made some flashy plays, caught the football, you know, broke a longer run, but put the pads on. And when he gets touched up with pads, he's probably not going to go very far. So. Just again, take everything a little bit with a grain of salt. Uh, um, apparently, Montreal Washington muffed the punt today. I didn't see anything on that. I didn't see any video or yeah, anything. So, no, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Everything that I saw about him was really positive. Yeah, uh, going again to Zach Seegers, who does a, a decent job putting out a bunch of training camp notes and everything. Says that uh, he looked like a, a 
uh, training camp Hall of Famer out there. Looked really good. So uh, you can only go by what's reported. Unfortunately, not able to attend practice. So we got to go with what we can actually see, which isn't very much right now. Not a lot of videos coming out from Denver, a bunch of media members, even the fans that were in attendance. It's kind of hard to dig your way through this. You got to go off of a, a lot of other opinions and, and kind of just report on what you can. So um, difficult to go through it right now. But with that being said, I want to move to the defensive side of the football here because we got a lot of information, especially from guys like Caden Stearns, uh, Damari Mathis, and Riley Moss, who all three, from the sound of it, had very good days out there today, Eric, uh, specifically in seven-on-seven -seven drills. Uh, arguably the play of the day from pretty much everybody that was in attendance was the interception that Caden Stearns had uh, in, I believe it was a seven-on-seven -seven period. Uh, Russell Wilson was trying to target Greg Dulcich going down the seam. Uh, Justin Simmons was able to tip the ball up into the air, and Caden Stearns laid out to make a diving interception, uh, easily one of the biggest plays of the day so far. So big news there for Caden Stearns, who's fighting for that starting spot at opposite of Justin Simmons, man. Big excitement for me. What do you think about that? I mean, it's great. I mean, I was a big fan of Caden Stearns when he was coming out. Mm -hmm. um, I had him a little bit higher than where he went. Uh, but the issue is, is that he played sparingly as a rookie. Mm -hmm. And while he did make some plays, uh, primarily in uh, what was it, the Ravens game, where he had the multiple plays, there was yep. no consistency to it. And outside of the game, he wasn't great. And last year, there were a lot of issues to start. And then he got hurt. He's played less than 600 snaps, so I've always questioned him. It's very much about the growth that he can show um, as a player and everything like that. And, um, so, I mean, it's good to hear that he's jumping in, like, his first time really back and doing something in team drills, and he manages to go get the interception. That, that's very promising. Yeah, absolutely it is. And like you said, you know, that that rookie season, I believe it was actually the Jets game. He had uh, an interception off of Zach Wilson. You and I were at that game, the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. Uh, he had another one that later that season and then had two last season before he ended up getting hurt. I think that was the Ravens game you were alluding to. Um, so he's shown the ability to get around the football and actually take it away and, you know, create turnovers. And that was something he did at Texas as well. He's a very versatile player, can play in the single high position. He can play um, in uh, two high uh, too high stuff, you know, middle of the field open. He's also versatile enough to drop down into the box, physical enough to play in the run. So a uh, very interesting player moving forward for this Vance Joseph defense. Uh, on the outside of him, though, uh, one of the bigger developments that we saw was the play of Damari Mathis, who I had seen uh, – that he had a couple of pass breakups. You'd seen that he had one at least in the seven on seven drills early, like very early. It was the very first pass breakup of the defense's day to day from Damari Mathis. And then rookie Riley Moss, who's out there competing and showing that, that he actually kind of belongs as well, getting a PBU in seven on sevens as well. So the young guys playing in the secondary starting to show up, man. And I'm, I'm starting to get pretty excited about the way that the secondary is going to look. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, Demari Mathis again. Like, I've always he was a guy that I liked last year, cornerback um, out of Pittsburgh. Like, was a big fan of what he did there and how it would transition over. Um, didn't have the best start 
Um, everybody remembers that Chargers game where they just absolutely picked on him, but he slowly got better as the season went on. Like it still wasn't great. Um, his end of season was still overhyped. So it was always about the growth and he's being thrust into a huge role being the corner opposite Patrick Sertan. Um, so it's good to see him have this pass break up and in coverage, even though it was on seven on sevens means he's in the right position. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously things can change when you can be a little bit more physical they're at the line and everything. And again, it's only practice still. So not trying to hype them up too much over it. Yeah. And like we've said multiple times now, it's an unpadded practice. There's not a whole lot of contact going on out there. So you've really got to kind of take everything you're seeing with a grain of salt. I mean, um, especially with the running backs, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, the, the guys out there in the secondary who you're not allowed to be as physical as you probably could be when you get pads on, obviously, but even, you know, oh. you're going one-on-one -on -one against your own guys, you know, um, like Cortland Sutton had a, had an open rep where he caught a deep, deep pass down the left sideline from Russell Wilson, you know, like you're not seeing a whole bunch of the super competitive aspect of this right now. So again, grain of salt they're very early into this process and i'm very excited to see how it's going to go moving forward because apparently the way that sean payton is taking over this roster and the way that he's taking over this organization you're starting to see a higher tempo pace in this practice it's not so laid back everything is very organized you're trying to see like you're starting to see how a properly coached team looks day one is always the hardest one to really get a judge on we'll get here day three day four when they put the pads on and start cracking helmets together it's going to be a lot more fun over those next couple of days but you can at least kind of get an idea what this team's looking like i want to go back quickly though eric to a couple of the comments that we heard from uh sean payton in the uh the Jarrett bell piece and specifically in the first like opening paragraph essentially from Jarrett bell uh one of the first things that sean payton told him in the interview was i'm gonna be pissed if this is not a playoff team like I think that this team has potential to, to push towards the playoff. I think 10 and seven is probably right around where they're going to be at. And I know that it's obviously very early and you can't really glean a whole lot out of this, but I don't think that I've asked you this question based on what you think of this roster, what you think of the coaching staff moving forward and all the changes that have been made there at Dove Valley. What do you think of the Broncos chances of actually pushing towards a winning record and potentially even in getting into a playoff spot? Um. I'm not very hopeful for a playoff spot from this Broncos team. Okay. I, that's, I, I think they'll be better last year. It's obviously it's hard to be not. I think this will be the best that we see from them since the Super Bowl year, really. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not sure if they are able to do quite enough so quickly to get into the playoffs. There's still a lot of issues that they have um, that need to be fixed mm -hmm. that are getting overlooked. It's... Uh, no team can come in and fix all their issues, especially all the issues the Broncos had last year in one season. Mm -hmm. But I expect better. I expect maybe like on the cusp of a playoff spot, but not quite crossing that line. Yeah. I think the, the biggest question that I have, obviously, interior offensive line, specifically what's going to happen with Lloyd Cushenberry and Alex Forsyth. And we'll see what happens more with that when we put the pads on and and really go at it here uh the the other one obviously we've talked about it multiple different times is the defensive line and the ability to generate pass pressure without having to rush linebackers from the second level and we all know Vance Joseph likes to do that I think it was 36.7 percent blitz percentage last season 25.1 percent pressure percentage like he wants to get after the quarterback and he does so by bringing extra pressure 
it's going to be nice though if you can get some pressure from the front four whenever they do not send the extra guys that um you know the linebacker safeties from the second level so that to me is the biggest thing is can you generate enough pass pressure to allow these guys to get to the quarterback disrupt some throwing lanes get some get their hands on some footballs and help the secondary out like that's a that's a big thing here and I want to grab this comment from Todd here really fast because uh, he's talking about Shelby Harris. We're going back to this really fast. He said that Shelby was with a new team and showing he supports them now and not his old quarterback. That is what it should be. And he also, it's not the right one that I wanted to grab. Um, it was it's this one here saying that it was only last year that Shelby's production fell off. Coming back to VJ's scheme could help him regain some production. Eric, I want your thoughts on this because when you watch uh, Shelby Harris go from Vance Joseph to then Vic Fangio, where they slid him a little bit inside and started playing in more uh, the zero one technique. Speak to this just a little bit and what Shelby Harris was able to do in Vance Joseph's scheme specifically as a three and four eye technique. Well, I mean, he, he wasn't great. He only played in it really one year. Well, I guess it was two years, sorry, 2017 and 2018. Um, and those were like of years that he was actually playing. Those were two of his worst years. Vance Joseph was using him predominantly as a run defender and not a pass rusher, and that's where his run defense was, you know, such an issue. And then Vance Joseph kind of flipped that, and you saw him more as a pass rusher. And as far as production falling off last year, it really didn't. Like, sure, he didn't have the sacks, but he was – it was one of his better years as a run defender, and it was the second highest year in total pressures that he picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason why he had less sacks last year was, again, because of – how they the way they're just kind of using him so i think going back to shelby harris's scheme or to vance joseph's schemes shelby harris can still you know be decent especially with vance joseph having a clear way on how to use him but my thing is is the role they're looking for is more of a run defender to fill in that Deshaun williams role last year and that's not shelby harris um so what would they do would they flip zach allen over there because zach allen is a far better run defender and or flip that role to Zach Allen and then you Shelby Harris more of the pass rusher who is not as much space eating but more of an attempt at gap shooting for against mm-hmm. the run mm-hmm. um that that would probably be my guess is what they what their plan would be yeah and, and that makes a lot of sense because that was something I was going to say is you know uh in Vance Joseph defense where you need that front side defender to be able to eat blockers and and play with strength at the point of attack that's never been Shelby Harris's game he's been that first step get off get skinny if you possibly can um, get some leverage, get underneath and try to work the bull rush. He's not really a twitchy guy, not a super explosive player coming out of the blocks. So uh, it, it's it's an interesting fit. I think I agree with you for the most part. You're probably going to be using him more as a rotational pass rusher than you are going to see him as a true three down interior defensive lineman. You're probably going to see Zach Allen be that guy. You're probably going to see DJ Jones on there. Um, maybe Matt Henningsen as well. Mike Purcell uh, having – Harris as that rotational pass rusher on the interior defensive line. Obvious pass rushing situations is definitely going to be the role for him moving forward. Um, let's see here. I want to run through some more of these comments. Ooh, here we go. Um, we got one from Mark Hoynack. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen this name in here. So, Mark, thank you for joining us. Talking about Randy Gregory saying that if Randy Gregory can stay healthy, our playoff chances go way up. Uh, this is kind of hard to disagree with. And according to multiple different reports, uh, specifically Brandon Stokely at 104.3 The Fan earlier today on his radio show gave him his star of training camp day number one, saying that he looked good out there um, in the limited the limited reps that he was able to do. Very disruptive. Uh, what do you think on Randy Gregory, man? I mean, can he stay on the field? That's what yeah. it's always been about. When he's on the field, we know he can play, but he just can't stay on the field. 
Yeah. Um, so going to the question here, if he can stay healthy, our play playoff chances go way up. It does. Yeah. But how real how realistic is it that we get, let's see, ten or more games out of him? I don't think it's very realistic to get that out of him. Yeah. Yeah, and when you when you when you pay a guy seventy million dollars over five seasons, you know you you're expecting him and, to be a full sixteen game starter. Like that's that, that that we can rehash how bad of a move that was, guys. I, I put it up there in my uh, five worst moves that could have George Payton on the hot seat going into twenty twenty three. This is one of them. You know, you've got to have a player out there of that caliber who is a, a high quality player when he's on the field. He's just never available, and that's a problem for a guy that you paid that much money to. So, and as Harold Jean comes in and says, disruptive against two backup tackles doesn't phase me. Yeah, no Garrett Bowles, no Mike McGlinchey, so yeah. anything from yeah. the edges, like take it even with a more grain of salt. Um, yeah. Somebody asked about Russell Wilson having a bad day. I didn't hear he had a bad day. Everything yeah. I've seen except for the interception has been mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he he was running for his life a lot. That was one thing that was pretty made clear or made yep. pretty clear. And when you have backup tackles out there, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Cam Fleming is fine, but who was the other backup tackle? Was it Quinn Bailey or was it one of the many other guys whose yeah. names I can't remember? Yeah, and I I don't know. I didn't see any reporting on that from anybody out there. So without without being there to see it for myself, I'm I would assume it was probably Bailey. That's just the the direction that I would that I would guess given his his play last season and the fact that he is you know the the tackle guard swing guy that you have potentially as a depth player on this roster. So that would be where my first thought would go. But again, you know Fleming Fleming played well at right tackle last season. He filled in pretty well for Garrett Bowles on the left side as well. But like you said, I mean, he's a guy that you want to have as a swing tackle. Is you need him as a pinch, but you don't want to have him out there all the time. And and like you said, you know, everything that I'd saw that I'd seen about Russell Wilson was the um, obviously the, the seventy yard touchdown where he got away from Zach Allen after he was sacked and then ran forever. And that essentially one of those unpadded situations where he's just going to run, finish the play out, and make it look good. Uh, there was other multiple different times where he was scrambling around, throwing on the run, looked very accurate in the seven-on-seven seven stuff, uh, did have the interception where Justin Simmons made a hell of a play and Caden Stearns took it away. But everything that I had seen was Russell Wilson had a pretty darn good day. I think he was seven for seven in seven-on-seven, seven, quite honestly, on the first time that they went on that go-around. So I'm not sure where you heard that, Harold, but it's all right. Um, again, you know, You've got a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. And unless you were there in person to see it right now, it's kind of hard to disseminate exactly what happened out there on the field today. So again, take everything we're talking about with just a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks, though, uh, we did hear multiple different times about Jarrett Stidham out there, backup quarterback for the Broncos. He did have a very long, uh, long catch. Uh, excuse me, a long pass that was caught by Lil Jordan Hubfrey down the right sideline against Riley Moss. And Moss apparently was playing perfect coverage. It was just a very good throw from Stidham. A couple other different opportunities where Stidham, he did have one pass broken up and then one that was nearly intercepted. But for the most part, uh, Stidham looked sharp out there. Eric, what did you think? Or what did you hear, I, mean, I guess, is the, is the thing there. <laughs> I didn't hear much else. I mean, he looked pretty sharp. There were some, a couple of his passes were broken up. He had a near interception where he underthrew Jaleel McLaughlin that Seth Benson kind of jumped um, almost and almost picked off. Um, that was about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, K. Hop coming in. Didn't Russ get a seventy-yard touchdown? Yeah, he was sacked on that play. Um, according to everybody that was there, it was it was either going to be a sack or potentially a strip sack if they had pads on it. It was full contact. Um, I I want to get this one really fast because Michael, such a great dude and, and great with support and everything, he says let's send prayers for quarterback Joe Burrow after he injured his calf during the Bengals training camp. Yeah, that was that was a super unfortunate deal. I think he was actually coming into training camp for the for the Bengals um, with with already kind of a, a, an issue going on with his calf. Uh, he was wearing a sleeve at the particular time, went rolling out on eleven on eleven drills and uh, came up limping, was carted off calf strain. I'm going to be out multiple weeks from the sound of it. So prayers up to uh, to Joe Burrow, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL right now. is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and hopefully the Broncos don't have to deal with that. Like that's one thing that I'm – I don't want to say necessarily nervous about with this the, the new physical up-tempo mentality of Sean Payton. But I did have a lot of criticism for Nathaniel Hackett uh, about what he did and not have – these guys go nearly as hard as they probably should have gone throughout camp last season. So hopefully the Broncos can come out of this on the other side with no injuries. And at least for today, we're on the, we're on the right side of the positive side of things. So uh, yeah, prayers up to Joe Burrow. Um, what else do we got here? Trying to find something. Guys, get your comments in here really fast. If we're not going to have much comment flow. We're probably going to get out of here in just a few minutes. Eric, is there anything pressing you wanted to get to? No, I mean, it's training camp, and as as you said, and as Dylan's saying in it, everything from training camp, tank with a grain of salt. There's limit on contact. Even when they're fully padded, like for certain parts of practice, there's still a limit on what you can do that the NFL has placed in. I'll place on NFL teams. And how many times do we see these training camp studs get to the preseason and then just fall apart? Like Every year, multiple guys, like preseason games that's where you come away with the most takeaways who can hang who can't mm -hmm. um it's how matt henningson last year really made his way onto the roster he absolutely killed it in um killed it in preseason well mctelvin ajim and jonathan harris struggled um just the way it is yeah uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here on Facebook, throwing some stars around. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate your support, buddy. Saying, uh, great show tonight, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Michael. We definitely appreciate your support, as always, not only here, but on across all of the uh, Mile High Huddle podcast platforms. Everybody we know uh, definitely appreciates your support down there in Tucson, showing that uh, Broncos country is not a geographical location. It, it is, in fact, a hashtag state of being. Um. Uh, Harold's asking about Kush again. Don't know much. Didn't see a lot on the offensive line. Uh, the, the one big news that uh, noteworthy piece of news was uh, like Eric kind of alluded to earlier, Mike McGlinchey and um, Garrett Bulls did not participate in practice today. McGlinchey was actually out yesterday as well for a personal matter. Didn't get any update uh, on what his status was for today. We just know that he was not out there, um, but that's, that's probably going to be typical for right now. Sean Payton did kind of, you know, allude to how they're going to value some of these players. Players are coming off of season ending surgeries from last season are going to have, you know, pitch counts. Some veteran guys are going to have some more pitch counts. And then the the tier three is going to be the players that are really competing for this roster. So uh, with McGlinchey, with Garrett Bowles, probably some veteran day rest there. Uh, McGlinchey, not sure what his personal matter is, and hopefully he can get that resolved, get out here to camp, and we can see what he looks like in a Denver Broncos uniform. But for the most part, didn't hear much about the offensive line in general other than Russell Wilson running for his life, which doesn't bode well for the backups out there. So, yeah, I mean, like Cam Fleming was supposed to like 
we we thought we were hyped for the signing because outside of him, the tackles were just nothing but questions. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Cam Fleming wasn't the biggest issue out there today because he's the backup swing tackle, so you kind of want him even in practice being mm-hmm. limited. But on that note, too, is the the unpadded practices with the limited contact doesn't do well for the blockers. Like mm-hmm. they like like the speedy guys tend to you know steal the show a little bit. The blockers will often struggle when in limited contact without pads. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And like you said, you know, speedy, twitchy guys that are able to move quickly and uh, rely on that speed to bend the the ability to get around the edge at the at the edge position. Um, speedier interior defensive linemen with ha- with faster hands, where you're not going against the physicality, you're not grinding against each other. And even when they do grind against each other here in camp, it's probably only going to be about seventy five percent, roughly. Uh, you're not going to see full blown hitting until we get into the preseason games, and that's really where you're going to learn your takeaways. But I want to ask you this question, piggybacking off of that last statement here, Eric. What can you take away from these training camp practices as much as possible? I mean, it's hard, obviously, not being there, not seeing it, be able to watch the tape back and forth over and over again. But when you're out there and you're if you have the opportunity to really get some good footage, what can you take away from some of these practices? Techniques. If you're doing the, you got to be showing the right technique outside of pads in pads, mm-hmm. like defensive backs, wide receivers, defensive linemen, like so many guys, you got to look at the technique. Are they showing growth? And then on top of that, are they showing an understanding of what they're being asked to do? Mm. Yes. First day of training camp, first few days of training camp. A lot of it is just working on making sure the installation of the offense or the defense is down. So you really got to stand out and show that, Hey, I know what my job and my role is in the, supposed mm-hmm. to be on this play. So it's just things like that, things that, you know, things that you can often work on on the sidelines as well, like mm-hmm. in the film room, the understanding of it, the techniques, just that kind of stuff. Obviously, things can still change a little bit once you put pads on in full contact, because when you're a pass rusher, you get hurt a certain way, it's going to change the way that you react. You're yeah. going to go to a different pass rush move, but it still doesn't matter if your technique is still like showing up and being consistent with it. Yeah. I heard a very interesting comment from Orlando Franklin earlier today, former Denver Broncos right tackle uh, talking about, and he was talking with uh, 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 Chad Brown, former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler defensive end that played for what, 15 years in the NFL had 98 total sacks. So very experienced, very savvy veteran players um, talking a little bit of shop going into training camp earlier today. And that was exactly what their sentiment was, was the first things that you're really trying to focus on is, do you actually understand your job? If you know what you're supposed to line up, you know what you're supposed to do, you understand what your what the your job is on this particular play. That's really one of the first things you're looking for. And then you can work the technique in. If you understand what you're supposed to do, then you can really hone in that technique. And you can really kind of divulge between the two players right now. If you don't understand what you're doing, your technique's going to be t- terrible and you're not you're going to look just bad. If you at least know what you're doing, you can be out there. And a coach can work with you and work with you on that technique and really guide you into the offense or the defense in general. And the last thing is, as of just quickly, last thing right now, if you're hearing about struggles on the offensive side of the football, that is a hundred percent to be expected in training camp, especially early on defenses will always be more along further along in their installation and further along in their preparedness for training camp than offenses will be. It's just the natural balance of the NFL defenses are 
I don't want to say easier to learn, but they are less complicated than offenses, uh, offenses in general. So you're going to see a lot of, well, the, the offense had a bad day th- th- today. You know, they, they looked a little bit out of source and whatnot. That's to be expected. So don't panic and don't freak out that Russell Wilson had a bad day through three interceptions. Well, do you know if that, that run, that rookie wide receiver ran the right route? on that particular play. Do you know if so-and-so made a, you know, it's set up for defenses to succeed earlier, I guess is the way I'm trying to go with this. On the the same note, if Russell also throws three touchdowns, how could it, could it be that, oh, the safety didn't rotate? It very well could be. Yeah. That argument go the best way. I agree with what you're saying. It is Mm -hmm. tilted towards the defense in general, you know, outside the speedsters. But the biggest reason for that is because the limitations put on that the offensive line can't do. Yep. Which brings me to this question here from, uh, Joseph here saying they shouldn't have the offensive line during these non-tackle drills, sitting and um, sitting in the cafeteria eating, and then going to the gym and working out. You still need them out there on the field because they still got to be showing that they can do their thing. And mm-hmm. it's not like they can't not touch the defensive linemen. They just have to be careful with it, and it's just mm-hmm. limited contact. But you still got to see if, like on this play, and they're supposed to be combo blocking. Are they doing it? Is their technique still like the mm-hmm. basis of their technique? Is it still there? Are they pulling? If they're pulling, are they staying tight enough to the line? Or are they drifting a little bit? There's still a lot that you can see from this with the offensive linemen that you want to see now to start correcting. So you still got to have them out there. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. Um, with that, guys, I think we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. Want to give a couple of quick shout outs. First things first uh, to Ernie Mays, big follower of everybody here at Mile High Huddle. Happy, happy belated birthday to Ernie. And then we got Joseph Malinowski in the house as well, saying that his birthday here is in a couple of days. So happy birthday to you as well. Uh, Want to shout out everybody that was in the show tonight. Obviously, we got Todd, Dylan, um, Kyle. We've got uh, Orange Bucky in the house, uh, Michael Ronquillo, Kevin Gray. Uh, Austin, uh, Jeff Noyes, William Hayes, a lot of the same guys we see every single week. Regardless, want to shout out everybody. Uh, Mara Danita over on Twitch, want to give you a shout out as well. Hopefully I uh, said that name correctly, saying football is officially back. Let's get it. I am excited and ready to move on to actual football. Hopefully we'll get some pads cracking here soon. Uh, But with that, guys, I want to get us moving forward and getting us out of here. Follow us on Twitter, please, by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, please make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That is the mother account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. Any training camp updates that we get from Luke uh, Luke Patterson, he's going to be boots on the ground every single day at training camp and credentialed, I believe, for the Rams joint practices here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so make sure you guys are following at Luke Patterson LP as well uh, to make sure you catch all of those updates. Um, anything regarding the Broncos, you're going to find it there. Facebook supporters, make sure you go to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Uh, it's a great way to just you know, incorporate yourself into this wonderful Mile High Huddle community. Get uh, get onto the uh, the super fan group. We join everybody in the conversation in there as well. So make sure you guys are a part of both of those Facebook pages. And guys, um, if you're not financially able to do so in, in terms of super chats, hitting the merch tent, anything like that, we understand. We get it. Times are tough out there. It's it's just rough. But you guys can all be great supporters of the show by doing the three things at the bottom of the screen here. Subscribe, wherever you guys are watching this, to Mile High Huddle, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, after the fact. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It helps out a lot. Like every video, article, anything you see on social media, please like 
that and then share it. If you love it, get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover the Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, interesting show. A lot of fun there in the minute, uh, in the beginning, getting fired up, going back and forth, but good conversation. We brought out a lot. Lawrence Rivera jumping in with some stars here at the bell. Now, Eric, I want your last opinion here, man. Any last words before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just hope everybody has a um, safe weekend. Stay safe. Um, Todd says, love the passion, Eric. Uh, thank you. Like, it's just something I was passionate about. And, you know, Lance speaking poorly, you know, brought it out of me. Um, but no, like, and so I saw somebody sit there and said, it's like, I was a big fan of Wazarike, but that's not why I'm defending him. And it's not even really a defense of him, really. No. Um, it's just the situation was dumb. The NFL put players in a bad situation because mm-hmm. they weren't clear with the rules. Right. Um, and the fact that, like, kid made a mistake. He'll get a second chance and he deserves it. Whether he does that, um, if he can show that growth and a thing, like, fine, it's whatever, but it's on him. Like, next year at this time when training camp's starting, he'll still be with the Broncos and we'll get an idea about how much growth he's in. If he shows up at 350 pounds, then fine, whatever. The suspension and was the killer of his career. But it's right. all about what he does from it and where he goes from here. Right. And I, just to clarify my comments on that, and I, don't, I wasn't trying to say that, you know, this is like his career is over because of this, but it makes it a lot harder for him to continue on with his career is the biggest thing because you're, you're missing this season, you're missing the offseason program, and you're coming in cold right at the beginning of training. Camp. As a, so does a rookie, who, a rookie or second-year player who tears his ACL, does it the same thing? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. If you miss yeah. all that time and you miss a, miss the coaching and everything, I, I think it puts not necessarily your career in jeopardy, but it makes the it makes the hill a hell of a lot steeper to climb to actually get back to where you were and what your potential potential what your potential is moving forward. And Wazrike, I think he's super talented. Don't get me wrong. I, I I loved him coming out of Iowa State as I did a great film breakdown on him at Mile High Huddle, and I was super excited for him as a rookie. He did show some flashes. But again, he was a fourth round pick for a reason. He's still got a long ways to grow and missing all of that time now is definitely making going to make it more difficult for him to have a, a quality opportunity going into year three. I guess that's probably the better way of saying that. He's going to get a shot. He's got a long ways to go to be able to come back from this, though. That's the big well, yeah, and, point of my the point of my argument there. And to be fair, like part of the reason why he was a fourth round pick was he was going from being a basically an edge at Iowa State mm-hmm. to being an interior defensive lineman. Yep. Completely different things. Anyways, Wesley comes in. Just want to call this out real quick. Because also didn't love Eric's takes when I started listening to this pod. And first, no, I respect him. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I know my takes aren't for everyone. It's part of the job. You can't make everyone happy. I know that I've kind of uh, have a reputation of being cynical. It's just how I am. But I appreciate appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate the comment. Um, and thank you for joining us. It's the first time I remember seeing your name in yeah. the chat. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome Wesley. And hopefully we didn't scare you off. Eric and I do that every now and again, where we get heated with each other, we go back and forth, but it may seem like we don't like each other. We don't re- respect each other, but Eric's one of my best friends. You know, I've invited him to be a part of my wedding uh, over a year ago. He's invited me to par- be a part of his, uh, in the wedding, wedding party. As well. yeah, yeah. But wedding still, I mean, yeah, like Eric, Eric and I are really good friends, and we argue with each other behind the scenes as well. So don't take what you see with us screaming at each other here on a show as any any sort of disdain for each other or anything like that. This is how we actually work together very well. So uh, with that, guys, want to oh, leave and- you all – oh, go ahead, go ahead. I hope I'll, I'll see a lot of you guys at the game for the Green Bay Packers, October, yes. tw- October 22nd. Hope to see you guys there at the meet and greet. Yep. Uh, Oh, one quick last announcement. Chad didn't actually get to it. I have my third piece coming up.
um, the uh, the full breakdown. I actually broke down what happened following George Payton's uh, decision to take Pat Sertan over Justin Fields with the ninth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft should be coming later this evening. So if you guys are interested in all of that, um, make sure you guys are paying attention to milehighhuddle.com and on Twitter at milehighhuddle. Want to give that a quick shout out with that, guys. So we got to get out of here. We are running a little bit long. Uh, you all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. As always, go Broncos. And please get back with us on Twitter and let's enjoy this conversation a little bit further. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.